all the time, Corey will send me revisions. He's like, there's a click or a pop here. And I'm like, no, it's just their mouth. They're just spitting in their mouth. And it's like mid-word. Yeah. Somehow it's like in a long vowel. There's yeah. A- <laughs> well, what sucks is most people... <laughs> Two days ago, I received a text from a friend on the East Coast that said, you've got to check out this new band. They're going to be in Kansas City on the 22nd. You've got to meet them. It's been said of me that I like one band in each genre, so when you're introducing new music to me, I'm not always that interested. But I checked out Titus's music on Spotify, and I was really moved by the intentionality of his lyrics and the placement of all the instruments. And so we had them. It was four strangers from the West Coast meeting two strangers from the Midwest at the end of their Young American tour. This is the conversation of us getting to know Titus and his band. Their experiences captured in the form of audio in hopes that we could share those moments with you. These conversations are an attempt to educate and celebrate the vast, colorful, and often unseen roles in the creative ecosystem we call the music industry. This is an exploration of the DNA that makes up that world. I'm Sean Lee. I'm Corey Martin. This is the Shadowscape Podcast. We are finally back to Shadowscape Studios. We have been meandering around the country and doing all of our podcasts in all of the places that make no sense to us, but we are home. Finally. What an adventure. Do you feel home? Um, I don't actually yet. That's weird. You are literally below your home. I know. I'm below my You're like a troll. I know. I know. Just lives below but your home. you did so much work while I was gone, and the studio looks so different that like it doesn't feel like my home yet. Yeah. I was trying to make you happy when you... I appreciate it. You said you peed a little bit? I did pee a little bit. That's like good. A, like a really happy dog. Yeah. Yeah. Your dog pees every time it sees you mm-hmm. after a while. Yeah, she's a good I dog. I think I find that disgusting. She's a real good dog. Yeah, she's a great dog. This podcast goes out to Nora for Aww. peeing all over the floor. A.K.A. Snuggle Bones McWigglins. Well, we have a whole herd of people in the studio today with us. Herd's probably not a great word for humans, but as long as they're not offended, we are going to go with it. We have Titus Haug. Did I say it right? That's it. All right. Nailed we have Titus it. Haug and family. They're not probably his family, but I like to think that bands are families. I'd say family. Cool. Well, we have them all the way from San Diego. We caught them at the tail end of their tour, and they're visiting us today. We're kind of strangers a little bit. but So this is going to be us getting to know each other, which yeah. is fine. We want this podcast to be a conversation. We're eating donuts together from Lamar's. That's so already off to a good start. That's, that's a good thing. We have coffee. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was, I bought 12 donuts. Most of the chocolate ones are gone. So I can really immediately tell these are my people. Mm. This is I'm, your a, tribe, I'm a huge chocolate fan. Like yeah. I don't, I, the gla- I, glaze is fine, but glaze is only something I'm eating if there's no chocolate. I feel like I can tell that you guys love your Lamar's donuts because we've been here for about 18 hours now and I've seen two different purchases of Lamar's. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're donuts, good. So. They're real good, man. You got the local vibe. They're strong. They're heartier and heavier than a lot of, like, you know, like your Krispy Kreme is kind of more like the cotton candy melt in your mouth. These I are, don't like that. Yeah, I these feel are like more I, like, I feel like I'm not eating anything. Yeah. It's just disappearing. Yeah. Well, as, well, as musicians, it. we try to be heartier and heavier as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would explain make. your music, actually. Heartier and heavier. Not really. 
Maybe hardier. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so just to get to know you guys, so if you don't know who we're talking to or you have no idea who's talking in the microphone, let's just go around the room, tell me your name, what you do in the band, and uh, maybe one fun fact about you. So I'm Titus Haug, and I write songs, words, and poetry and such, and play guitar and sing. Fun fact... Um, I grew up in Japan, went to Japanese public school. I didn't see this coming. I didn't either. So do you do you speak a good bit of Japanese as well? I am fluent. Wow. Oh, this is so cool. Okay. This is really cool. So this is the po- part of the podcast that we go full Japanese because <laughs> Sean, and I, Sean and I also both are fluent in Japanese. Yeah, we are. I could totally tell when I walked in. I was <laughs> like, these guys know what's up. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I won't ask Well, let's you. start with you guys. Let's hear a, a phrase or two. Domo origato, Mr. Roboto. Domo arigato. Uh, Japan. How? <laughs> 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 Japan How? is my favorite Japanese word. Yeah. Hey. I also really like sushi. Sushi. <laughs> Are you guys big in Japan? Uh, no, but I have a friend who has a hat. Uh, he's one eighth Japanese, and he's very, he's very proud of that. And so he has like multiple hats and shirts to say like, like I'm big in Japan, and like he's wow. really, yeah. So that's about yeah, as close as we is. get. There was a local band in our hometown that tried to convince everyone that they were famous in Japan. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, we don't need to to name them, but yeah, yes. we won't. I, they they may have been. I'm not saying they weren't. I it did just, recently also. It's kind of like I have a girlfriend that goes to another school. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the band equivalent <laughs> to that. Anyway, I guess not. If you're making money, you're making money. I recently met a guy who makes soap who used to be a teacher in Japan. That's about the only Japan story I have. So it's not a good one. <laughs> it's something. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's amazing. So you're fluent in Japan. Yeah, Japanese. You're fluent in Japan. <laughs> when I'm in Japan, Jap- I am fluent. <laughs> when did you move from Japan? Uh, so 16. I was okay. born there until I was 16. I lived there, and then I lived in Thailand for a few years, and then I moved to the States. So what brought you to the States? College. Okay. So does your family live back in Japan? Yeah, my parents do. What, awesome. what do they do there? Why? They're they? missionaries. Oh, right on. Yep. They started a, a church out there, mm-hmm. and it was good times. That's amazing. So you're a missionary's kid. I am. Right on. That's awesome. Cool. Good times. Yeah. Kevin, I want to hear all about it. All right. Well, I'm Kevin. Uh, I play bass. Um, I play a small keyboard, um, and sometimes I do some shouting on some of the songs. Um, and a fun fact about me is that one time, Adam Savage ordered a pizza for me. <laughs> and you look a lot like him. And I look a lot like him. You're a younger, well. better looking version. No offense, Adam Savage, if you're sure. Listening. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's like a fine wine. Yeah. He just gets better with age. Right, right, yeah. right. You, you could. You just need time to time age. Time will tell. Yeah. yeah. Time will <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious, how small is your small keyboard? Uh, it's a micro Korg. Okay. So it's 25 small keys that two of them fit into a backpack. Nice. Yeah. So I've always I've always wondered if at what point can we get smaller on a keyboard and it still be useful? Like would five or six keys be enough? Well, I'm, I yeah, right. I feel like I should just start playing my cell phone or something like that, just like plug it in with the microcork app and I don't know. That sounds like a horrible 
horrible trying, way to live, but I'm trying to do the math in my head. Is twenty five keys one and a half octaves? Oh, uh, that's two. It sounds like two octaves and a key. Okay. Right, because there's twelve, well, uh, twelve in the. Yeah, yeah, twelve, twelve would be twenty four. Yeah, so yeah, okay, got it. Yep. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. I should, I should notice. I could, it could be more keys than that too. Actually, I'm un, unsure. Well, I was just, I was thinking, we have eight notes in the musical alphabet plus sharps or flats. Right, so it's, but there's it's not 12. an equal number. Okay, so it's twelve. I think so. Okay. In my head, I was like, is it sixteen? No, doing my math wrong. Yeah, yeah. So it's twelve, twelve, and then plus one. Okay. I mean, we can get one. So if there's something <laughs> that's fine. We'll just want to hit down the real quick. And <laughs> yeah. I, I actually think that would be funny if you, you know, like a, the sound guy always walks around on stage like, "Hey, so what do you got?" And you're like, <laughs> "I got I twelve just, keys." No, right, I just, right, right. I just have my cell phone, sir. Please plug yeah, this in. Plug I'm this gonna, in. Uh, and I'm gonna need a stand. You know, you know, just like really right. No, any, definitely any, need a stand, yeah. right? Like, uh, also, I will not direct this in. We're going to have to mic it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mic my iPhone. iPhone. Do you have yeah, strap lock stereo? Shows? We need to do stereo. It's right. the iPhone 8 Plus. So. Yeah, yeah. I really need you to get the finger sounds. Yeah. You know, <laughs> finger sounds on your cell phone is going to be the new, like, organ clicks, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you heard it here, folks. We're, we're, we're taking music to another level. I was tapping the whole time, but you guys didn't notice the nuance of my humor. All right, we're moving on from you now. All right, let's get... Bye, Kevin. See you later. I'm Travis. Uh, I play drums and do miscellaneous percussion instruments and sing. Um, A fun fact about me is that uh, I'm a barista, and one time Chris Thiele came into my coffee shop, and I spilled milk all over myself. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nervously (laughs) asked him exactly who I knew he was, you know, just... Because it's like, how do you break the ice? Right. I know your name. Yeah. Did you touch the hem of his shirt and you could play mandolin well yeah. for like 24 hours? If I hours? could just touch the hem of your garment, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I So I've seen him before live and he spit on me three times during the show. I was very it. close. Like yeah. maliciously. I was very, yes. <laughs> I kept grabbing his leg. He was just like, I hate the way this guy looks. <laughs> yeah. Did you spit back? He said, open your mouth. Uh, <laughs> so it was dark. just funny because you didn't so clarify. Did, yeah. So like, Well, I've been spit on by two famous men before. Maliciously? Um, well, you time? know what? I, I, didn't, I, I didn't mind it. Okay. So Hoping to make it three, yeah? Yeah, hoping to make it three. So <laughs> This is your year. Yeah, but Chris, man, I, I'm curious. Did you notice how unbelievably long his fingers are? No, I didn't. Are they are they freakishly they're, long? They're really long. And like when when I was what we I went and saw Nickel Creek on their last tour um at the Uptown here in KC. And what was bizarre, like you guys go to like big shows sometimes and there's always people waiting in line for sometimes days. So, I'm thinking Nickel this is Nickel Creek's like reunion tour. They haven't been on tour forever and this show is sold out. So I'm thinking I'm only getting there like an hour and a half early. I'm thinking I'm going to be way back in the line. I show up. Nobody's there. And so we we just walk over and get in line. And then they open the doors and we just walk to the front. And so I'm literally like three and a half feet from Chris the whole show. But the whole show, I'm like, 
obviously they're great but i was thinking his fingers are enormously long <laughs> like no wonder he can play mandolin like yeah. this because he can literally like it's like his hand was the size of the neck like he could just hit every note with like and never move his hand it's amazing yeah that's like that's so unfair right because as a, like a bass player i feel like i have small hands <laughs> you know and yeah and he's over here with the extra large hands and, and a tiny little <laughs> instrument yeah. yeah he could almost have only like three fingers and it would be fine like, right exactly <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Well, for bass, you only need one finger, really. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think all bass players would agree. One finger, one string. Yeah. I'm trying to picture that. <laughs> I like to picture like a, like a, like a hillbilly with the upright. The wash tub. Wash the wash tub. tub. One finger, one on each hand. You have to bend it for the pitch. You, you should uh, create a whole series of YouTube videos where you tape all your fingers together except for one. And then you remove all the strings and you teach people how to play bass with one <laughs> finger and one string. Slap bass. Dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the thumb and the finger. Okay, guys, that's all you need today. Yeah, at about 12 years, this finger will stop working. So you're going to have to tape that one down right, and start right. using a new one. But in fact, just cut it off. There's no, yeah. you, know, you know, you don't need that dead weight anymore. <laughs> I always wanted to do a YouTube cover channel of like the doors as a bass player or like presidents of the United States yeah. of America and just play the song and drink a beer or something like that. <laughs> People would be so into that. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, be like, I, that's be the like problem I have with a, it. A YouTube drum channel to like strictly for like ACDC and <laughs> Def Leppard, you know, it's really boring. I'm going to play you one song. It will work for all the rest of them as well. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And last but not least, um, I'm Alexia, or Alex as of late, and I play a small keyboard as well. Yeah, you know. Is it smaller than his? <laughs> it's a micro cord. Okay. They're both of them are. It's the same, the same one. <laughs> They're the See, same. You guys have been awarded the status of 25 keys each. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I also play an accordion for Titus uh, and sing harmony. Nice. And... A fun fact, since two of our fun facts have been about meeting famous people, I will hop on that train as well and say that I've met Kira Knightley in Whoa. Silver Lake, L.A. Nice. Wow. How how was she? She was not very happy when we stopped her. Uh-huh. Um, we took a picture and she didn't want us to. Mm-hmm. Or she was nice, but like you could tell she you didn't could like tell, it. Yeah, she was like trying her hardest to be polite, but she was forcing it. Yeah, she was also was pregnant and with oh. her husband, yeah. and so yeah. yeah. I see both sides of that issue. Yes, for sure. But yes, I'd probably stop her too. No, actually, I'm terrified of famous. <laughs> no, people. he wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. He would. He would take a picture on his. It was nerve wracking for sure. Um, but I like Pirates of the Caribbean and Pride and Prejudice, and I yeah. we had to just. Yeah. Take a picture. She's very talented. Well, the fun thing is is that if you talk to a famous person, it's likely they will never remember you, no matter how good or bad that situation was. <laughs> True. So you're really in the win. Like, <laughs> I get to meet somebody, and they forget me forever. Because so. this right? happens to them 37 times a day. Yeah. yeah. So on that, since we're talking about famous people, how do you feel about when you see a famous person in public, do you feel like they should take a photo with you if you ask should they be grateful that that you are thanking them for their work or uh, across all like not just like actresses or musicians but anybody like in the public eye that we know well like do they owe us anything yes they do they do because they're kind of asking for it 
with the career they chose. <laughs> I mean, this is this is it's just an open forum. All all these opinions are welcome. I I would like. I mean, it would be cool if they were chill with it. You know, like it, it's rad when, like, if you really admire someone's work, and you walk up to them and you're like, "Hey, man," or lady or whatever their <laughs> name is you know it's like i love this work of art you've done or whatever i mean it'd be rad it like it's rad when they're really cool about it you know right. yeah but i don't know if they necessarily owe it to you right but it's always cool when they're like rad people yeah i i think i try to look at it from both sides of the coin because i know like in my situation there's been a few songwriters that like their work had a major impact on my life and the course of my life and who I developed to be as a human being. And then to suddenly see them in person and you feel this urgency and this need like to just let them know how much good they've done for you, you know? And so like a lot of times for me, it's not even like, oh my gosh, you're famous and I want to latch onto that energy. It's, it's like you, the only time I ever like really care is when it's like someone that's like, changed me and affected me and had such a profound impact on like me. Like a plastic surgeon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so Dr. Oz. <laughs> like all I want to do is pour out kindness to them. Like my my goal is not to be like you're famous and I want to be a friend and I want you to know that I exist and I want to you know, it's not that like fangirl thing at the core at the core of it. It, for me, it's like I want to pour out kindness on you because you've unknowingly poured out kindness in my life through the work that you've done. And I think that sometimes if we would process famous people differently, like the way that we want to interact with them and think of it more like, okay, why is it that I have this urgency? Is it because they're famous and I want my friends to see them hang out with a famous person? Or is it because this person did a work that like meant something to me and I think they're talented and I want to tell them? You know. Why don't we ever hear the phrase fan-guying? No, or fanboy. Fanboy. I guess we do hear, hear fanboy. Fan yeah, yeah. Fanboy. Yeah. Yeah. When you said fangirl, I was like, huh. I'd I think c- probably because it that term was birthed out of like the whole like Beatles, right, right, British right. Invasion, sixties yeah. girls fainting in the audience. I think like, guys are just too lazy to chase a woman like down the street, like like all those herds of women that would chase the Beatles. Like I think we're just too lazy and just like uh, we'll just yell at them probably. <laughs> Well, That's what in it seems like Indianapolis, we did see a, a flag down um, situation where this dude was on one side of the street, and there were these ladies walking by. They were like, "Hey!" And then they like they were like hanging out and talking and having a good time. <laughs> Guys are the worst. Yeah, he was spitting <laughs> it hard. <laughs> well, I just I'm just always curious. Like, I've met some famous people, and and I get what you're saying too. Like, I just all I want to do is pour out love. But I I always wonder, like, should we or should we be silent or do they need that? Is that exciting to them? I'm I'm sure every person it's different. You know, some people probably really like hearing like, man, you've really done great things for me and and you're changing my life. Maybe they need that. I just wonder if some people have heard it so much that they're just like, please leave me alone. I want to just exist. Uh, But I guess it's probably different for different people. Some of I'm sure like some of them, yes, they hear it so much, but at the same time, Artists, there's a lot of introverted artists, and right. like I know, Bonnie Vera, he hates playing right. shows. I'm pretty sure, right. and 
he would rather not interact with people yeah so much i think that's the great thing about being like a famous indie artist is most people have no idea who yeah, you yeah, are you know. and i think that's m- the majority of like all musicians because like if you see like christian bale most people in the world are gonna be like oh my god it's batman like and they're gonna be so excited <laughs> but most people even like you take like ginormous like musicians most people aren't going to even recognize them, especially if you're not the singer. Like you, front, you, yeah. you might recognize Ryan Tedder, but you're not going ri- to recognize anybody else in One Republic. You know, like, honestly, I wouldn't recognize Ryan Tedder. Right. I know all of his music. I have no idea what he looks like. Like most people in the world, <laughs> like even bands that have been like massive in the past, like Nickelback, most people are not going to be like, oh, Chad Kroger. Like <laughs> no one even what they they have no idea what he looks like. But if you were like, we all just want to be yeah. big rock stars. Yeah. Like, oh, that's Nickelback. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a little bad. Or I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I should feel bad. But in Syracuse, we played this venue. And they were like, there's going to be a famous person there or something like that. And they're like, who is it? And they're like, Ariana Grande. And I was like, man, I don't I don't think I know who that yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but all all the homies, that kind of happens a lot, yeah. like, with movie references. Oh, yeah. I think it's yeah. maybe because I grew up in Japan. I don't no, know. No, dude, I'm with you. I, I know no pop culture references at all. Oh, I just all live the, in this all castle with the no time. Like, we'll be in sessions, and I'll be like, let's just kind of go for this vibe. And he's like, what are you talking about? Who's that? And I'm like, that's, a, that's like the biggest band ever on the planet right now we were the other day we were having a conversation sean just is like he loves his stuff and he's learning other things he, like he just he'd rather t- like take apart a microphone than like listen to a cool record that's just him he granted he'd listen to a cool record if you put it in front of him but you know he's not gonna like go out and try to find ariana grande but like the other day we were talking about and you guys might f- feel the same way we were talking about how um do you guys know who five seconds of summer is Okay. Negative. So none of you do. So this is this is fun. This is a fun experiment. So five seconds of summer, as of two weeks ago, is the first band in history to have three consecutive records, their first, second, and third record, all go billboard number one. The first act in history to ever have three number one records back to back to back. They <laughs> and you don't know who they are. It's because they're a British boy band. I don't know that they're Aren't British, they? but I don't know exactly where they're, they're a from. Boy band. But I, I just like I like that concept because like that's never like Michael Jackson didn't do that, Queen didn't do that, the Beatles. the Beatles didn't do that, like Coldplay didn't do that, like Nirvana didn't do like like no one that like Prince didn't do that, Beyonce hasn't done like no one has ever done that except for some band that most people don't know. But it, I think it, it one it highlights how saturated everything is and how we can just pay attention to whatever we want because we have a telephone and we can just look at that instead of anything else. But also how crazy record sales are now. And like the fact that they probably, I'm going to guess, I'm just guessing. I don't know the stats, so correct me if I'm wrong, but they probably sold under a million records to get all of that. Well, and that's what I was going to say is I didn't want to like chime in and be the Debbie Downer jerkwad oh but like we all know that if you have the funds in your pocket you can just pay for whatever charting number you want i mean in in some instances but either way like just to know that like that's where music is you can literally have the number one selling record 
in the world. And granted, lots and lots and lots of people know who that is. But there's six people in this room, and one of us, me, has like the only one who's ever even heard of them. I'd heard of them. Well, uh, right. I couldn't name you one of their songs. Right. Well, it's not not that's not important. I just think that it's crazy how like you go back. 30 years even and the number one record in the world probably everyone had heard it like at nauseum you know because the whole industry was different there was such a smaller pool but i digress well i was gonna gonna say there's people out there that just go and buy up their own records too i'm not saying that five sure yeah 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 right but like you know we could i don't know how many of our own records are we gonna buy (laughs) we should do that that's what we do do get that going well, I, I know that that's it. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I've heard of authors doing that where, like, they will personally purchase, mm-hmm. like, however many, um, like a million copies or whatever yeah, to, it is. To, to instantly get a New York Times bestseller so that's that it. then they are a New York Times bestseller and then they make their money back. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely, I know. It's marketing. Even some of the labels that I was on, like, we had those conversations and they were they were talking about buying us, like, 10,000 records so that like first week sales would put us on this chart and this chart and this chart so that like everything would line up and we could get this PR and this press and this thing. But I'm just curious, like granted that's probably happening, but you've got to think that it's happening a lot less. Like when, when the industry's tanking. Yeah. I mean, when budgets are like so remarkably small comparatively, like I, I, you hear of like major label releases where like humongous bands are only getting like 40, $50,000 advances to like record in the studio mm-hmm. where that, that same advance was like 800, 900,000 a few years, you know, or 10 years ago. So it's, it's hard to believe that they're like inflating numbers too much. Cause most of them are probably not, that well off and they don't want to put money into something that's obviously not going to return at all did you say five shades of summer (laughs) yeah i think think it's 50 shades (laughs) of summer actually yeah i think i'm not sure five (laughs) seconds of gray yeah something like that so anyway titus tell us about um this tour and tell us about what's going on with you guys uh just right now for sure yeah so um we've been doing a lot of little tours over the last year or so. Um, we released, so we, we've been, most of us have been playing together for like four years. And then Alex hopped on like a year ago, which I'm very happy about. Happy to have you. Um, but once we put the record out, I was kind of like, okay, like, I guess you tour now, you know, and we, we had done one tour previous to recording and I was just kind of like, we can't do another tour without music out because, you know, it's like even if people like your music, there's nowhere to listen to it or anything. You disappear pretty quickly. For sure. So that, that was kind of like the next step for us. And so it ended up taking way longer than expected, which kind of seems like that's how it goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once it was out, we just have been doing a lot of California and West Coast stuff and, you know, a little bit of stuff in Arizona. And I was kind of like, man, we need to go to the East Coast. No, this isn't the East Coast. But when you look (laughs) at the map, it looks like it. This is very (laughs) close to the eastern side, you know. And so, yeah, I was just kind of like, we're we're just going to go for it. Is this your first time this far east? For sure. For sure. As far as music goes. How how, is this the farthest east you've gone? Or how far did you go? Did you guys go all the way to the East Coast? We got to New York. Oh, okay. So you did go all the way to the East Coast. Florida, New York to New York. Cool. 
We were probably out there around the same time. I was in Boston. Like, I think I saw you, actually. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hush. You guys were at IHOP <laughs> together? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that airplane. We saw we saw the airplane you were in just over us. So did you see me throw up as I was landing? Did you do Wait, that? What was the, no. What was the camp but name? I came what real close. Uh, Manadnock. Yeah, that sounds like a Manadnock. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely Manad- Manadnock. Manadnocked all over the place. <laughs> So you were, uh, I read your bio and kind of tried to dig into uh, kind of what you're about as far as shows and things. And it seems like, like house shows are like a really big staple for you. Is that intentional or was that just kind of like, that's a, that's a, a grab that you felt like you could ob- obtain? It It's semi-intentional. I mean, that's kind of like how I started playing music. And I mean, my kind of plan is to play house shows until we can't fit people in houses anymore. Because, I mean, we, we play venues every once in a while, and I we really enjoy it. We like playing louder and stuff. But I do really like the connection that you can have with people. And, I mean, I would love to play, you know, bigger stages and stuff, but it really does seem like there's something really special about just being in a room with a bunch of people. And there's no, like, barrier of, like, I'm this, you know great artists or whatever it's you're just like people together and you're like sharing art and i think that's really appealing to me yeah well i feel like there's also like the brass tacks of it though right i don't know from the coming from the west coast there's like so many places that are like pay to play you know it's like you can play here you just gotta sell 100 pre-sale or you know just some kind of garbage like that you know it's You know, and we know like one person in the state. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, We're coming from a hundred miles away, so we'll do that for sure. Right? Yeah, but I mean, like you know, some of the venues were coming from thirty five hundred miles away. You know, and literally never. This is my first day ever in your state. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happened twenty times on this tour for us. You know, like so. So I mean, I think we want to obviously like just graduate. That's the wrong word. Definitely the wrong word for that. Because we we like being present and playing the shows that we're playing, but we want to play in all of the venues whether it's a house or sure you know or whatever you, you can maybe echo if this was your experience or not but i know for for cory and i we started out playing you know in rock and roll bands touring and we we played a lot of clubs and dive bars and whatever you know venues um but then eventually we both ended up going solo at a certain point in touring together solo and we started playing a lot more house shows and i found that we actually intentionally would book entire tours that were just yeah they were like backyard shows and house like shows, shows. And that kind of thing, and I found that not only did I sell more merchandise and make more friends, but the people who felt a connection to my music stuck longer. Yeah, and there's most of them like you still get texts from like how are yes. you doing like how's, a, when's the new music coming out? Uh, there was a stronger, more real, more tangible connection that came from meeting someone and sharing your guts with them in a living room. Versus on a stage in a strange, stinky place with yucky bathrooms and stickers everywhere, like and not not to not to dog that culture because I miss it. I miss playing dirty. I mean, you literally still smell like it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but but I felt like and so you know I think if this is early for you for touring, good for you for not wasting your time doing it in reverse, like getting the cart before the horse, like we did. Yeah. I- I almost feel like it's a double-edged sword for me, you know, because obviously, like, there is merit to doing smaller shows or, like, house shows and such. 
especially at our level, because we're not like we can't just go to like a random city and sell out a venue, you know. But I, I because I enjoy it so much, I think like let's just say we were at that point, you know, like and we could do that. I would still want to. We probably wouldn't do full tours for house shows, but it's it's become like my favorite kind of show, you know, and often like, you're right, like at a venue, less people are inclined to talk with you or there, sometimes there can be this kind of like a barrier almost. Um, whereas to me, as I continue to be a musician, what is unfolding to me is that it's like that connection with people that makes it most enjoyable you know because like it starts from this thing like you're like all like pensive in your room like writing something but then eventually you're like connecting with someone maybe the song's even developing a meaning for them in their own lives you know and i feel like that just becomes so much more personal when you're talking about um sitting in your room being pensive uh you know i listened to your record and a lot of it seems very like internal um, internal thoughts and, and internal places. Um, where do these songs come from for you? Man, well, the that that record, which is our first one, was like four or five years of songs all in one thing. You know, I feel like a lot of times first records like that. Yeah, because it's like I have this song from. It's the be- Well, it's the best songs, you know. So the longer you wait the more selective you get, the more that spreads out. So it's like, oh, it's the best three songs from each of these three years, or it's the best two songs from each of these five years, or it's the best song from the last six years, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I I was just telling someone the other night about this, but I'm, as I've kind of like honed my skills as a songwriter, I've found that, you know, because what I personally do is I'll, I'll just play the guitar and I'll just start singing whatever comes to mind and I hit record if if I'm feeling like I'll play for fun you know but then sometimes like you play something you're like oh that's really cool so I like record and I just start singing and that's like my blueprint for the song and after that I'll come back to it so like I'll I'll record it and then write down the words I wrote and then I kind of start like almost discovering what the song is about like I just wrote a song like two or three months ago that as I was writing, I was like, I wonder what this is about. But it's like, it's something inside of me. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, kind of like blown away because it was this really deep, like internal thought that I had never processed before. And it just kind of subconsciously came out as I was singing. And like a good therapy session. Yeah, kind when of. When you say something, you answer a question, and you're like, oh, that, okay, I hadn't realized that. I didn't know that was in there. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And that's actually almost like a more recent realization for me. Um, But I think like some of my favorite songs on that album came from like, I've kind of started a little bit back then waking up early and just writing in the morning. And then I stopped for a little bit and now I'm doing that again. And I don't know, I just feel like I think clear in the morning and... Yeah. I mean, where did they come from? Probably like for me, just because I like had all these transitions, you know, like moving from Japan to Thailand and Thailand to the U.S. and then from Virginia in the U.S. to like California. So I think a lot of them are about like processing like 
you know, who is God or like processing, like how do these relationships work with all these, you know, transitions and, you know, I feel like that album's a lot about those kind of things. I'm curious about one in particular. Um, I listened to your full record a few times and I, I kept going, wanting to go back to slow down. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was the, the, the hushed vibe to it or, uh, because it, it kind of felt like home to me, even just the chord changes and just like, I could tell they were like open chords, but they're full. And it was like, it was like an open note, but with one special little like finger, like on some special note, like, so there was just some, just the resonance and the ambience and the hushness to it. Like I just kept wanting to go back to it. Where'd that song come from? Yeah. So I used to share this story a lot. I don't really anymore, but I wrote it in college and there was this really amazing echoey bathroom in college. So I'd always just go in there and play guitar. And I don't know, one night I was like super pensive about like time and like how fast it, it like goes by. And like, you know, every year I find myself like, even now, like this year, it's like, holy crap, it's already July or whatever. But I feel like especially like when fall hits, it's just kind of this ooh this awareness. It's like a stab in the back. I did not get where (laughs) I wanted to be this year. I should be farther. Yeah, exactly. And that's I feel like I I've always kind of thought about time and like the passage of time and stuff. But for some reason I was just really feeling it feeling it that night. And so it was just kind of like a I just started like playing these chords and singing like slow down your mind, slow down these days, you know, just kind of like a conversation with time and like personifying that mm-hmm. and just saying like, hey, maybe you could slow down for a second, yeah. you know, hey man, chill out. <laughs> exactly. It had such a like Dallas Green City and Color vibe to it. Mm. I don't know if you guys are familiar. With that is an artist I do know. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was hoping that I could just, just say a whole bunch of people that you've never heard of. <laughs> Maybe just enlighten you. That would be very easy to do. Yeah. It's a very Ariana Grande song. Yeah, Yeah, is that Ariana Grande's? Yeah, uh, actually, I think it is. For sure. I'm pretty sure anyway. Um, So I was curious how they got in the picture, these other three fine people. Um, Are they friends of yours back from San Diego, or did you hire them, or how did the band form? Yeah, so... um, Travis was the first one among all these fine human beings. I so I we went to college together, but we didn't really Where know did you each go to other. College? Went to San Diego Christian College. It's a, uh, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a very tiny school in San Diego. Cool. Um, but we're all kind of you know found ourselves there one way or another, and. Uh, Anyway, I had this Urban Outfitters jacket. I used to shop there a lot. Um, forgive me. We all go through that stage. Yeah. <laughs> it's where cool starts. Exactly. And then exactly. you're like, cool shouldn't be this expensive. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. For like this cruddy of product. Anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. We're, we're all on the same page there. But there was this one jacket I bought there a long time ago. And I remember like walking down the hallway and seeing this guy wearing the same jacket. And I was like, who is that guy? You know, and then he had like blonde hair and I don't know. They're 
I'm sorry for those from San Diego Christian listening, but there were not a lot of like really rad people there, you know? So like, um, so <laughs> Limited I remember radness. <laughs> the rad radometer was a little low. And I remember seeing Travis and I was like, man, that guy looks really cool. And I would only see him walking down the hallway and then I'd never see him like ever. And he was always walking with this one dude and it just seemed like the oddest like pair of people and I just always pondered on that. And then I'd never see him. And then senior year, um, we just kind of like found ourselves in a situation where like we'd see each other a lot. And I found out like he was in a couple bands and all this stuff. And, you know, I was like doing just kind of the solo singer songwriter thing. And I really wanted to like add these elements. And so I asked Travis to hop on and we've been playing together ever since. Here we are. Here we are. And uh, Alexia also went to that school didn't know her during college and she would show up to all these shows and eventually we met and she was like, Oh, I'm in a band too. I look up the band and I'm like, Oh, this is really good. <laughs> and so like, me like and, crap, this is better than our band. Yes. That's exactly how do I ask happened. this better person? To be in <laughs> our he used band. to always joke and be like, so when's the world tour? Uh, <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> yes, Here you it, are. It has yeah. finally um, an answer. Yeah. <laughs> So Alexia writes her own song. She's really, she could be doing her own thing and she has and probably will in the future. But anyway, so like that band ended and then the girl that was singing with me at the time moved to Washington. So I was like out of a female vocalist. And then I was like, hey, would you like to sing with me? Were and you, were you a, a fan of his music? Yes. Nice. I w- yeah, I would go to his shows. Like, so how does that how is that for you? Do you still feel like you're a fan of his music like when he yes. brings songs to you like Because no, yes. I I yeah. legitimately I I was in a band too with a guy who used to come he came to like 20 shows and then we were looking for a bass player and he was like dude I want to be in and I I was really wishy-washy about this choice for a while because I was like dude he just do I want to lose the ticket, you know, that he's paying for? Like, is is, <laughs> is having a bass player worth, you know, losing that? <laughs> oh, yes, but no, he he has a new song, actually, that I think all of us are huge fans of, and he plays it solo, at least for this tour he has been. Um, so, yeah, I'm still a fan, and I always thought, like, I had this small thought, like, oh, it'd be so cool to sing with Titus, but I didn't think it was actually going to happen, so it's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's good, though. That's good that people in your band actually enjoy what you're doing, because I don't think that's always the case. Like, I think there's, especially drummers, like, drummers never like anything that, the, like, the singer wants, to, like, to do, because it's never, it's always too slow. It's like, the drum part's never cool enough. Like, every band, fills. I, yeah, they're like, can we do something more like anything that I want to play that's <laughs> cool? Never, like, the pensive, like, singer song. I, I don't, I don't know any drummer that likes being in a singer-songwriter band. I don't know, I feel like that has to, it, as a drummer, I feel like that has to do with like where you are as far as you like where you want to be in the mix and right. contribute. You know what I mean? So, so you're into it. I I like it a lot. I get to write some part. I, it stretches me to write more creative parts that are appropriate for the song without just like wait hitting a second. It hard, so you here's know? A, here's a question: Do you play anything else but drums? Um, I play some bass. We were Kevin and I were in a band together. Are you? Have you ever written a song? Are you a songwriter? Uh, yeah. 
Are yes, he is. See, I've here's the thing. Like, not very many drummers think that way. There's there are some, but it's I tend to find that drummers who say words like you know I gotta figure out what the song needs and right. I, like playing, I, for the song. playing for the song and I want to mm-hmm. I want to write a part that makes like very few drummers in my experience want to champion the song, but yeah. I find that the ones that do also want to consider themselves a songwriter right. or they want do things outside of drums. Yeah, there's, they there's, think outside of drums. They're not. Yeah, they're thinking outside of like. You know, kicks and snares. Like, how awesome can I make the drums? Right. Instead, they're thinking, you know, what does this song need? And I feel like I feel like the best drummers that I know, and we're both thinking of the same person. Yeah. Shout out to Brett Killingsworth. Shout, shout out to Brett Killingsworth. But um, he he loves everything from like country to pop sensitive, like pop sensibility to EDM to like metal music. He loves everything, and so like he's just as happy playing some crazy complex thing as he is playing like a Steve Jordan gravity groove. You know what I mean? Like he can, even if it's the most stripped down thing, he's just enjoying the song. So much expression in every super minimal hit. You know what I mean? Like, so that's all rant. Sorry. So, so Mythbusters is from Washington though, right? Kevin? No, no, uh, no, I'm from, so we're all from San Diego. Okay. So Travis and I both live in Portland actually. Yeah. Tracking it all down now. Yeah. 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 Here we are. The geography of the band. So, (laughs) span of the west coast so yeah so but you met did you meet at school as well no titus knew my brother okay and then um yeah i don't know matt matt my brother's just like yeah so my brother plays bass and then you need a bass player right is that how that goes (laughs) that's always the bass player story you play bass okay cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's basically what happened matt's from or he went to college in casey actually and so we're at um Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're actually stoked to be here also because he had all these stories. I like had all these visions of Casey in my mind. And honestly, they're all kind of coming true. Really? So, yeah. It's good or bad or crazy good, or wily. Good. Or it's or... been good. Okay. So yeah. w- did he walk you into like, oh, when we go to Kansas City, we have to do this? Were there, was there any of those things? We have to eat here. We have to. Mm, he told me a couple coffee shops because mm-hmm. he's really into coffee. Shout those out. Um, oh, dude, yeah. So, what? You so, so Matt always tells this story of a place called In a Tub. Never heard of In a Tub. So is that like the hot tub machine? No, no, no it's or a time machine. So, this is what I've been able to gather about In a Tub. Is that first of all, it's called In a Tub, and we're the the house we were playing at last night. People were familiar with it, and I guess it's just some fast food place that serves tacos, but they're like wet tacos and with like powdered cheese on them or something like Weird. that. Wet tacos? Yeah, I don't know. And we asked, we're like, is that intentional? Is that I'm unintentional? That. You know, it's really humid out here, and and <laughs> and everyone's like, they just get wet. Right, right, right. So they're like, well, they're consistently wet, so we think that's the. <laughs> It's kind of like the Italian beef where they dunk it in sauce right, before they give right, it to you. Right, right, And it's like, well, should you have, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's tacos with au jus, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. Exactly. That's, so it's it's the Italian beef of tacos. Exactly. Okay. Kansas City where cultures collide. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago and Mexico <laughs> collide. <laughs> what a lovely thing. Yeah. Okay, so in a tub. O'Malley's Pub? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah, O'Malley's. <laughs> Yeah. I he, have not been there. He basically just has all these stories of like the most <laughs> epic hangouts. Mm-hmm. Like even yesterday, like everyone was hanging out on the porch. Yeah. No, O'Malley's is the one down on the plaza, right? 
I don't know where. I'm not super sure. I oh. was there one time. Oh, no, O'Malley's. No, that's in, um, yeah, that's north of here, 30 minutes. That's in Weston. Yeah, apparently it was just like this pub, and they used to like, you used to be able to smoke in there, mm-hmm. and they would all just smoke their pipes mm-hmm. and hang out, and it just sounded really epic. But yeah. also, um, yeah, so coffee shops, what, um, oddly correct, was, yeah. so Matt, um, his brother was working on like a coffee documentary, so like he was really connected in the coffee scene and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and just like, I don't know. Where did we go this morning? Monarch? Monarch. Yeah. yeah. in a pretty tight radius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We like to keep it that way. Valmayest is a pretty good one to check out. What is it? Valmayest. It's like a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, you basically wow. you're walking into Moonrise Kingdom. You're walking basically. into Moonrise Kingdom to get coffee. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of a dream. So you said you have a new record coming out, or yeah. you're about to record one. Exactly. Can you tell us about the new songs and the new ideas? Yeah, it's it feels pretty different to me just like the whole process of writing them and just kind of like the whole um I don't know like the lyrical structure even is a little bit different um I think maybe that's just like kind of figuring out what what you liked and didn't like from the last one you know and just kind of like trying some new stuff even like like I was talking about like how I write songs a little bit like kind of honing in on that a little bit more um, it's probably going to be a little shorter, maybe more like an EP. Um, partially funding, um, but partially just because it feels right, too. Um, yeah, we're recording in Portland at uh, Type Foundry. And uh, we have a really cool producer. So I'm excited about it. That's awesome. It's interesting when you're talking about how you write. I feel like that's a much smarter approach to actually not missing all those things that come out that that first time through like a chord progression and, and through a song when you're just kind of word scheming and just doing like uh, the whole Steven Tyler thing, like, let's just go, let's see what happens. I'm just going to shout a bunch of things. It's such a magic to that because I know three or four times into the chord progression, all of a sudden it gets a little like, I know where I'm at. I kind of I'm falling back into old habits. And, uh, but I, I know I never do that. Uh, and, and I, I, I feel like I've lost all of my greatest songs to the ethers of just not writing that first da- line down or not writing that first melody. That's down. why I always have an iPhone record. The second I feel like inspiration is like knocking at my door at all. The phone comes out, the voice memo goes on, and then I do my best to forget that the phone is there and just get back in the moment. I've convinced know? myself that if I can't remember it, it's not worth it. I completely Dude, disagree. Com- I completely I'm disagree. Completely though. Completely on that track, and it completely does me wrong. It, oh, it yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I, I have. I, there is so many lines that I am just, just devastated that I've lost. But because see, that's what I'm saying, though, is you just contradicted yourself. No, I'm fully aware this this contradiction exists. I'm fully aware this is poor planning. However, I have yet to be able to not continue down this path of destruction. But I'll it's, one those, say, oh, it's, it's one of those ways as like a songwriter that I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, I've got better songs in yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> if well, I could just remember them, right? Like, Has anyone else had the experience where you're writing it, the inspiration's coming, you know, like the tears are welling up, you pull out the iPhone, you start, you hit record, you go right back to repeat what you did, and the melody doesn't feel the same. You swear it's the same melody, but it doesn't feel the same the second time you play it. I'm talking even if it's one line. Like, you sing one line, you got the phone out, press record, and go back. Where did that melody go? Is it that it changed, or is it that it doesn't feel the same 
it never feels the same as the first time. I think it's a process of discovery. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the first time you see, uh, you know, Zion National Park or mm-hmm. like, what, what do you guys have out here? What, what's something amazing? It's the first time you see the Mississippi Lamar's River. Donuts. <laughs> the, first time, the first time you have Lamar's Donuts, right? It's like all these first things are so amazing. You know, right. I remember like the first time that, uh, you you know, you like play a song like fully through or if you remember taking lessons as a kid like yeah. whoever's teaching you lessons and you see him you know i remember like as a little kid watching a piano teacher play like flight of the bumblebee and mm-hmm. laughing hysterically uh-huh. you know and it's just it's a process of discovery yeah and, and you know that's what i think about it yeah that happens to me all the time even with like studio clients you know we'll be writing guitar parts or we'll I'll be showing yeah. them like they'll play something and be and you know I'm just like oh oh wait 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 Here's wait I have an head. idea have you tried this and they're like what was it again and I'm like I don't know yeah it, well, I don't know what it was I had it here if you would have been ready <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you shut up. <laughs> we shut up and listen to my ideas right now please yeah that happens so much but like I I haven't I am very afraid though that the moment that I'm like okay I'm about to have a really great idea press record okay here's the great idea I had. like i just my brain is so i've never thought about what i've said before i said it maybe my whole entire I life second and third that and into the so mic. for me to premeditate anything just feels horribly like like just not natural and so, so I just, I just don't know how to like do what you're doing. I mean, I, f- I feel like if it's you, if you have any whim of like, I feel like anytime I feel awake, you know, I'm like, maybe I'll just go, you know, turn on, turn on Pro Tools real quick with, I don't know, whatever mic just happens to be, you know, and maybe it'll, maybe it'll catch something that's yeah. interesting, but that's really idealistic, you know, like, cause then I, cause then I have to get out the eye lock and I have to put it in the computer yeah. <laughs> and I have to plug in the USB and I have to turn on the, you know, oh, and and by I that, that time my you, interface by that not time you're not an artist. Right. You're like, oh, God, I'm going to bed. If like, it's not, and then, then that's when I tell myself like, well, if it's good, I'll remember it. Yeah. That's why Absolutely. the iPhone memo, that's why the iPhone memo though. Just then forget it. You never remember it. Yeah. You never do. And I, my phone, my like I fill up every phone space wise right. just with memos. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you have like, like 355 yeah. <laughs> megabyte voice memos and stuff. It's really fun though. I remember when I was putting up my last record, I was like, I was a song short and I was like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I could just try another one. I was like, well, I have some, surely I have some memos. So I sunk my phone to my iTunes and it was like 845 memos. And I was like, oh dear. <laughs> and so I just, there was like, they're all like 12 seconds. and you Frankenstein go, a song together yeah, with you, like 12 second voice you memos. You go through them and you're like, dang, like I have, how did I not remember any of these? Yeah. But it's, it's remarkable. Like it's remarkable that I've still stuck with that idea of, uh, if it's good, I'll remember it. But there's songs that I've released, played 500 times on tour, and mm-hmm. someone I'll meet someone and be like, "Oh, your song, such and such, we play that." And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know if I know." Dang, I, I don't remember how. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it, you know, if I can't even remember a song that I've literally like made money off of, I, how how am I going to remember just some whim of an idea like lost in the esoteric world of? air <laughs> but i'm willing to give it another chance yeah i'm gonna keep trying yeah why why give up now <laughs> so do you have any highlights from this tour brooklyn was really cool first time yeah first time playing a show there where'd you play uh we played two venues we played at a coffee shop okay which was pretty chill just the people like the community was really rad 
um, the energy there. Mm-hmm. And we also played a, a So Far Sounds. Mm-hmm. Have you, are you guys? Yeah. 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 So it <laughs> turns out like we end up in this like very historic building. The Brooklyn Historical Society. Brooklyn Historical Society. It's like 140 years old or something. And like all the employees were like, oh, like we usually don't come out to all the shows, but like that we've always wanted to go to the one that they do here. And they had done it like once or twice before. And then, you know, when they were like announcing, they were like, yeah, there's only been like six shows here in all of like history. Wow. And it was just rad, like Harry Potter library (laughs) kind of vibes, you know? Um, Yeah, that was a really cool show. How do you feel like, or do you feel like fans feel different from city to city, specifically for you guys? Like, do you feel like the fans just have a different personality around music on the East Coast versus the West Coast, like back in San Diego? Mm, I don't feel specifically like from coast to coast as much as it is city to city. There's definitely a difference in in cities. I, I mean... In other bands and in this band, it's always kind of been this crazy thing where, like, it's not the number of people. It's just, like, the there's some, like, like Kansas City, for instance, like, it really felt like with each person that played and, you know, every song, everyone's just really, like, into the music and they're, like, bobbing their heads and tapping their feet. And then there's some shows where everyone's just, like, stone cold the whole yeah. time. And but they'll then they'll be, come up to you afterward and be like, that was amazing. Yeah, like, everyone's stoked on it, but the expression and, like, the feeling of it's very different. I've always... So, Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's always the Seattle dance, which is standing there with your arms crossed. Yeah, the, like, the frozen chosen, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> That's another good term for it. I want that to be my next record. I feel like I've heard that floating around in church before, the frozen yeah, chosen. Yeah, the Presbyterians. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hanging them out to dry. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So one thing I wanted to talk about, um, you know, we've had a lot of people on this show before, and it seems like uh, maybe 30 years ago, you'd, you'd meet a songwriter and they were a songwriter or you'd meet like an artist and they were this specific kind of artist. But in 2018, everyone's a hyphen and in, they're a songwriter plus this and maybe sometimes a songwriter this plus this plus this plus this and they have all these parts to their personality and and I think all that really adds to their art um but I know specifically you just looking you up and and seeing what you're doing um I noticed that you're a photographer and you're a really really fine photographer at that so how did did you did photography start before music or did did one come before the other and does it influence you at all um with your music I I would say it does influence me music came way before photography I've been playing music since I was a little kid. Um, But photography, I started in college. And I don't know, I was working at a coffee shop and kind of taking photos on the side. And my initial thing was, I think there were two reasons why I started. One, because I was traveling a lot. And there was that kind of like feeling like, man, I'm like seeing all these places I want to capture the memories or whatever. And then the other was this like vehement desire to not work in an office ever. (laughs) And I was like, any way that I can possibly make a living doing art. Cause I knew that I wouldn't be able to just be like, I'm a musician and suddenly like make a living off of it. And so in my mind early on, I was like, well, I really enjoy photography and I feel like that would be a way that I could 
make it work where I can slowly build the music while also not being homeless, which I was at, you know, kind of. I lived in my car for a little bit, but I also kind of chose it, you know. It was kind of like the California surfer dream. Yeah. You know, which you also do surf, correct? Yes. Is that did you start doing that in Japan? Uh, unfortunately, not. I skateboarded growing up. Nice. Um, I always wanted to surf, but um, pretty much as soon as I moved to San Diego, I started. I learned to surf in San Diego. It's the only place I've ever surfed. But it, the first time I ever went, I was surfing in Coronado Island. Nice. And my buddy Danny, who like surfed for a living. He was like, uh, dude, let's go surfing. I'll teach you how. And I'm like, okay. And I don't know if you do this to people, but he put me on the largest board I've ever seen in my entire life. It was like it was like nine and a half feet long. And he's on this little zippy little six foot thing. Yeah. And it's like nearly hurricane level storm out. And he's like, dude, just paddle out. It's gonna be, be great. It's gonna be great. And so he zips out there. It took me like forty five minutes to get that that giant board yeah but that out. was in your favor because the longer the board the more stable it is yeah, and but surfing also is incredibly difficult every single wave would take me back like 45 yeah. feet because and you drown so, a little it's because oh. you gotta learn how to push through them i've never i've never been so tired in my entire life is the day i learned to surf like for sure ugh, it's crazy so props to you surfing is hard it, like it seems like I don't understand why like everybody who surfs like super chill and like su- it's, that's it's, why is they're exhausted <laughs> and they have that makes sense and they have endorphins from getting jacked yeah you Ugh, know? they're just all so in shape and beautiful yeah. and tan that, well that's why like Switchfoot looks like 15 years younger constantly than they really are because yeah. <laughs> they all surf yeah. do you ever run into those guys down in San Diego I've seen John a lot yeah I like I've seen him surfing he's always at coffee shops yeah so that's earlier when we were talking about like going up to famous people who've done things that mean a lot to us yeah he's like one of the only two people that come to mind to me when I'm around him I'm so nervous I'm so, he's such a sweet human and I'm still so nervous yeah for he's, sure he's changed my life Thanks, John. Sorry for interjecting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have, I do take people out surfing for the first time a lot. Well, first of all, I had to say I was like the slowest learner ever. And for like, I mean, I'll take people out now and they'll stand up their first time. And it took me a year to do that. And I could get up on my knees, but I couldn't stand on my feet. I don't know what it was. You have horrible balance. I should have quit, but <laughs> I was just so like, I am going to do this. I'm not going to stop. And it's really like two years ago, because I've been surfing for like six years now. I feel like two years ago, something, you know, like happened where I was suddenly started to get it. But it took like four years of sucking really bad <laughs> to get to that, you know? Good things in life take time to grow, Titus. Thanks, Kev. <laughs> is that a song lyric? It is, yeah. <laughs> Potential song name. Mm. Probably not, potentially. But it's kind of like, I feel like, the titles of songs are the very last thing that I, you Same. know. Sometimes yeah. I'll, it's like, we're doing the album art. We need song titles, man. Yeah. For I, sure. I get Sean, that. We, Sean and I play shows together quite often, and Sean will always be like, so here's a new song. Uh, I don't have a song title for it, so if you got any ideas. But I'm always there. It works, it, it does, but he never takes my idea. I have literally yelled, dead foxes. <laughs> 
every time for every he's, song for that every I ever song. need a song title, and it's he's always yet dead foxes. to name one dead foxes. Well, and, so. then, and then Blur has like you know the copyrights to song number two or whatever, right? Like, oh, really? Like, well, not you know that's like the that's like their single, right? right. Blur is like woohoo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm, I, I'm curious. We we had a which has not the best I, rock me, bass tone ever. Sorry, no, it's all good. Me and uh, the the bass player from a band called Faint Heart had a long conversation uh, about this the other day about song titles, and I'm on the side of song titles should be the easiest thing. Like if somebody's gonna walk up to you after hearing your song and be like, "Man, I love that song, Wheelbarrow," because you maybe said Wheelbarrow, and they remembered that, I would just name the song that the easiest the less friction but he just listened to way too many emo bands and and so he wants to like name it something that has nothing to do with the song but is also a sentence uh like like an under oath record or yeah. something or it a fallout boy record that's a lyric that's not in the song right? yeah yeah it's a yeah. different Who is song that showbread were the champions of that no sir nihilism is not practical that's a song title yeah, but so where do you fall? Like, I'm just curious. Like, what do you think about naming songs? Oh, man. I I feel like I'm still figuring it out, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I was just sitting down, like, you know, like a month ago, and I was like, okay, we're recording pretty soon. What are the titles going to be? And I, it's the hardest thing for me. Because I'm like, in my Harder mind... Harder than writing the song? In a sense. Nice. Be, in a sense, because for me, it's like, first impression you know and obviously like there is a part of it where i'm like if you have a wacky name but the song's really good that's kind of like cool people can really gravitate towards that but i don't know just the way i think i'm kind of like man i want to have like a title that grabs you before you've even heard the song and i feel like that's kind of hard to do and i think that's kind of like maybe the branding or photography brain working a little bit too where i'm like you know when you see a photo or like a product or whatever it is like what's gonna like just draw you in immediately yeah you know you're kind of setting up the shot with the the song title yeah like even album art i feel like is the same way yeah i'm i think i've went down the path of who cares who it's nothing this is nothing none of this is anything and so i just am hoping that by the end of the song, you've got it, but I'm not leaning on anything other than like our hearts, like connecting. Hopefully, <laughs> a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. Is that is that a new one? No, that's Shakespeare. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we Shakespeare. <laughs> I used to say that when I'd forget people's names, that it, it never went well. <laughs> I do. I can imagine it births yeah. a bit of confusion. Right. <laughs> I definitely admire people that can kind of like take that approach that you're saying and just be like, dude, it's just, it's a song. Like I'll name it, whatever I want. I think I maybe do think about it too much. And in the end, it's like the most natural thing that comes out is probably like the most ideal maybe. Right. That's kind of the least amount of friction is the better for me. Like I, I just want people to have absolutely no friction in getting from a, a title to actually getting into the song or from me to getting into the song. Like how can I cut every barrier that's going to keep you from this song? And maybe if I have a sentence of a title, in my opinion, I'm like, maybe they won't know where to start with that song or maybe they'll get the wrong impression. It's kind of like if I dress in a way that like is off putting to someone, maybe they won't walk up to me. It's, it's kind of like how we treat homeless people. It's like they might be, 
be fantastic and have great stories, but they smell a little bit and they look dirty and a little and scary. I don't want to give them anything. And I, and I don't want to give them anything, so I avoid them. And so I, I, I'm afraid with song titles and even album artwork. And unfortunately, I want so badly not to care about the album art and about the promo photos and about how good my website. I would love for the songs just to stand alone, but it's like there's so many barriers to get somebody to like just accept a song or even give it a chance these days so it's it's tough but i but i know there's different there's you know there's different people who, who see you know like oh that's like they said that sh- that's a shakespeare line i'm gonna check out the song even though it might not have anything to do with shakespeare they're just an ironic band who's just weird like that so it's yeah it's i'm just always curious like what people's take are you know on on how they want to surround their song in order to get people to kind of look into it I do have a question um, for you is, and I don't mean for this to seem offensive, but do you like solo life or is solo life ever easier? Or do you ever think like, or do people even see you just solely as a solo artist, even though you obviously have three humans? Cause I, 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 I feel <laughs> you have three humans. Um, I'm, I just asked that out of curiosity because whenever, so our, my, our friend Tyler is actually who connected us. Um, yeah. I think you played for him in Virginia. I don't yep. know if you played a show or whatever, but for sure. Um, and so he sent me a link to your Spotify, and I had no idea until I started looking into it that these three lovely people existed. Um, so I'm curious: is that the like what most people see when they start checking you out? Because obviously, I'm assuming these they add color and life and and a vibrancy to your music and what you're doing. And I don't know if they have any input in the recording and, and making the albums and stuff too, but what, what's that look like where it seemingly is a, a solo artist, but it's also seemingly a band. Yeah. I think kind of figuring it out as we go really, but I mean, initially it just started with me writing these songs and playing in coffee shops, you know? And I was like, man, I just, I didn't want to just be me an acoustic guitar. And in my mind, I was like, as soon as I move to California, I'm going to find musicians and start a band, you know? But it's always, it's kind of happened like backwards for me because in my mind, I was like, I'll have a band and then I'll have this as my solo project, like my side project, mm-hmm. you know? So you were going to split them. Your solo I thing was, was going be to your side project. Yeah. yeah. And in my mind, I kind of still think that way. Like, I'm still kind of like, oh, I'll start another band, you know, and that'll be like a band band where it's not my name. And mm-hmm. this just kind of happened this way. Right. They do add so much. Like, I would never want to play without them, you know? And they're, I mean, they could all be doing their own thing. They're, I mean, in my mind, they're like the best musicians out there, you know? And I, you know, I think, I don't know. I'm just like happy to be with them. It's like, as far as like that dynamic, I, I do think people will probably just see it as me. Right. It's kind of like Ben Howard, you know, it's sure. like there's Ben Howard, but he, there's two other people that always play with him. Right. Well, it's kind of Dave Matthews band. Like, Dave Matthews. <laughs> like you hear Dave Matthews and you can see Dave Matthews, but I can never, ever, ever, ever see Dave Matthews without like Carter and some of those other guys. Like it's just, it's not the same. And even when he's by himself, I'm thinking about, those band members that I've always seen. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I'll, I'll write the lyrics in the songs, but they'll write their own parts. You know, Kevin will write his cool bass parts and Travis will 
come up with his harmonies and all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 you always too, such an interesting dynamic to to see perceivable solo artists actually exist in fullness in a band. You know, I know, I know often um you'll go out and see live bands and it's just you 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 go under the premise of this is such and such's name and then you get there and it's a six piece band and right. they, they just freaking own and then you get to talking to them and it's like yeah, most of these guys like all the things that I liked about it was the guitar parts and these great drum parts and this accordion all these these really great instruments and this just complex thing that happened and it's really it was barely the singer's fault at all he just happened to name it after him because they started with him first and i just it's just really cool it's just it's not a way my brain thinks because like i'm a solo artist with a band name yeah. but i never play with anybody and i never want to anymore so like i've got it backwards so i'm always peeking into the other side of perceivable solo artists with bands and what that looks like and how that happened yeah I mean, my my goal would be like to. I mean, th this isn't really a money making endeavor at this point. Um, um, maybe <laughs> something. <the> <laughs> <last. laughs> um, however, like my goal has become, along with like creating the best stuff that I possibly could, is like to like create like an amazing income for these guys. And like maybe like a year ago, I was like that kind of became my like goal with this, you know? And so like, obviously like I write the songs or whatever. And like, there's this very real sense in which like it is focused on me. And yet I know that they're integral, you know? And so, but like, obviously like it's fun to tour and stuff, but I'm always trying to think, especially like kind of as I've, you know, getting older and, you know, realizing like, things don't pay for themselves and like your time is the most valuable thing that you have, you know? So in my mind, I'm trying to work towards like a culture where it's like, you can count on this to like live comfortably, you know, and be taken care of. And I mean, this tour, like we, I think maybe we'll break even, maybe not, but like, you know, eventually it's like, man, I'm hoping that these guys are walking away with some big wads <laughs> of of silver dollars. <laughs> so on that, uh, this is a conversation that comes up often when you talk to touring folk and, and bands like, we didn't make money or we did make money or we're doing well or we're going home broken and dead. Like, in your opinion... In 2018, how, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not asking you details because I'm not trying to probe into your career, but like, what does 2018 being an artist look like when it means making money? What, what, and even what are your ideas or where do you think it's going? Because it's definitely changing and the market's definitely changed drastically from even two or three years ago. But I, I really enjoyed this conversation about how do artists make money because it's a really, it's a really, deep conversation that's rooted in a lot of bitterness from artists wanting to create art and not feeling like the venues care or artists wanting to create art and feeling like the fans don't care or it's always the artists going well why aren't you giving us money because we want it we need gas and we need this and and i'm of the belief 
system, and this is not popular for most artists, that you can make art and you can put all your heart into it and you don't have to get paid. You don't have to put yourself in the marketplace and you don't have to like, there can be value to you without anyone having to exchange money. However, I'm of the, the thought process that when you walk into the marketplace and say, I want to be paid for this, that your value and the money that you make is predicated on the value that you bring and what people want to pay you, whether that's fair or not. I don't think it is fair, but it is the market. And I think that we have to, as artists, like get above that and beyond that, because I do think that we can make money. I know that we've existed and been able to make enough to keep going. And I'm just curious in 2018, what do you think it looks like to make money? What do you think it's going to take as a singer songwriter, as a four piece band to get out there, play your music, not compromise and actually put some, some silver dollars in the bank so that you can keep going. Yeah. Um, I do think about this a fair amount. Um, I think there's two sides in, in one sense, like you said earlier, you could pay, like if you already have money to invest, um, even if your product is not good, it's very possible that you could get a lot of exposure if you pay the right people. Um, and that's one approach for me. Um, I mean, first of all, I don't have that investment money um, <laughs> for <Nor do> starters. <laughs> um, but I think Honestly, even if I did, I, I might like pay a little, we were just talking about like, I might pay a little bit to like a PR company, but you know, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. You I wouldn't buy 10,000 of your own records. No, 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 <laughs> no personal gotcha. purchases of my own songs. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like organic stuff becomes the most powerful mm-hmm. and it's, it's a slower path, you know, like, I mean, some of these shows we played on this tour have been very, very small. Mm-hmm. And yet, <laughs> like, somehow I'm, like, encouraged to, like, keep going. Because for me, it's like, I've always said, like, even if I'm playing for one person, I'm always going to write songs and I'm always going to give it my best and I'm going to become the best performer and songwriter that I can. So there is a sense for me where I'm like, I'm doing this regardless of whether, you know, I make a lot of money or not. However, there's also this reality point where it's like, you know, I I do agree you don't have to get paid to do music and I'm going to do it, you know, till I die because I love it. But as far as like making money goes, I feel like my opinion is that it's winning people's hearts ultimately. Like when, when someone connects on a very deep level with your music and they're just like, I, this makes me feel something or this even changed my perspective or there's just some like kind of deep human connection. Like I feel like as far as like talking about marketing goes, I mean, I feel like that in the long run will create the largest return financially probably. I was going to say also, so my girlfriend and I actually have been talking about this. And so I think first of all, like intrinsic value for your art is paramount. You know, like if you're, if you're going out to go, to go sell out, you know, if that's like what you're doing, you know, I I don't, you're, it's going to be a lot harder to find success in that way. But if you're creating because it's something you need to do, 
you know, I think that's, I think that's huge. Uh, my buddy Johnny and I were talking and, he, and he's, we're talking a couple of years ago. And I always think about this, like there's people in the music scene that are fans and there's people who are musicians. Right. And so fans can even get into being like, you can be in a touring band, you know, but you're just in it cause you want like want to be popular and you want to be successful, you know? So I, this is, I don't know, it sounds really like, you know, like I'm sticking my nose up to a bunch of people here, but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there's people who want to do it and who are going to keep playing, even if it doesn't make you money. Right. You know, there's people who are going to fade out. Right. And that's, and that's that. And I, what I was going to say, the other thing is, I don't know anybody who has one job anymore anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least that's creative and not even just music, but just if they're just creative. Yeah, totally. At yeah. all. And I think creative people have a tendency to need more than one creative outlet and they have a tendency to be not easily, I don't mean easily bored, but, um, we like to fill our time and our minds and keep ourselves active, I think. Well, I think for some reason we've stepped into a place of permission uh, where we didn't feel like maybe we used to have the the permission to be a songwriter and to also be a photographer and both of them be actual realistic careers because for the longest time, I think we were inundated with, uh, you need to be a master of your craft. And either we've forgotten that that should even exist and no one's a master at all, or the reality is is that one feeds the other. And, and I, like you being a photographer and, and a songwriter, that was the way, like, so when we started touring, same problem. It's like, well, how do we make money? I have six guys in a band. I have a trailer, a 15-passenger van. It takes $280 to fill up, and that gives me four hours. Like, how do I make this money every day? And so I was going on tour. I never paid myself and only paid my band, and I would make my money shooting photography. And, and so I wrote all the songs, and I would perform every night and work my butt off to pedal merch, but it was the photography and the hyphen that I had and the extra career that fed, literally fed me, but also gave me the drive to, to go, I'm going to push myself on this singer-songwriter thing and this band thing so that I can maybe not have to, you know, to try so hard and maybe you don't have to shoot a photo shoot every single day to every single tour date and do both. But also what's really interesting is that I, I, I find that there's some beauty to be able to have say photography, or I know lots of uh, people in bands, maybe like make websites or they have a blog or they're an influencer on Instagram or they have something that they do um, that, that actually gives them money. One of the things I think that's great about that is that they don't actually have to put so much pressure on the music because it's, it's really hard. Like particularly your first record is, I think a little bit different before you start touring. It's a little different. You, you've got this, this big mass of songs that you've written over the course of your life since you started. And the pressures in those songs don't exist always just with money. But you get you start touring and you start writing records and you start writing these records going, well, I, is this going to sell? And, and that really dilutes, I think, some, some people's songs to the point where it's like, well, they didn't say what they wanted to because it, they didn't think it was marketable or they didn't, they didn't sing the melody they wanted to because it wasn't hooky. You know, it wasn't catchy enough. And, and so I think that there's a beauty to be able to go like, I pretty much make my living as a producer, but I also tour. Um, or I pretty much make my, my 
living designing websites or coding for a company uh, but i also tour and you can release some of that pressure that the art that you create in music form as a as a writer has to be like completely predicated on how much is this worth like on a dollar amount later when they buy it or don't buy it and you're not like if you do a tour and you come home and you break even you can go well i'm still paying my bills that tour is great and we develop some really great friendships and i think the hyphen life actually gives you an opportunity to go you know what what i want to do is be making music in 50 years and be touring the world with my friends and hopefully changing the way people think about humans and life and love and god and all these things with my tunes in 50 years so how do i get there and and sometimes i think it's dangerous to not have a hyphen and just go you know what I'm just going to be a songwriter and I'm going to just go out there and everything that I do lives and dies on if this song sells. And I think that's hard. I think it's, some people can do it, but I think that it's hard for most to do that. I think it depends on the genre too because pop music is designed to sell, whereas sometimes other genres of music yeah, you're thinking are, of, you're are designed to be are designed to be provocative or uh, when I say provo- thought provoking right. or like emotionally challenging or upsetting. There's music that's designed to be upsetting. Right. I think most music though that is just, can't be written to sell. I think most <laughs> music is written to sell though. I would, I would argue that the way you're framing pop music though is like that's radio music. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Know, Sorry. Like and, and I'm probably using that term out of, out of, well, I don't know. I think of pop music. I feel like anything I play is pop music because it's not traditionally jazz. It's not usually, I mean, country's pop now and I don't sure. play metal. So you it's consider, like I play pop music. You know? rock pop or electro pop. Yeah. But yeah, I'm saying radio, top 40 radio, right. I guess is more what I mean when I say pop. I was so, so you were talking about creating things, right? And I mean, the, the thought that came to mind was like when you create music or you create, when you create anything, that is like your own and it's the way you want to create it. I think that also creates integrity as an artist, you know, as opposed to being like, Oh, well, I'm going to change this hook here. You know, it's like, well, do I, I don't even know what I like anymore. I just, I'm just, I'm just dressing the way everyone else wants me to dress. Right. We've you homogenized like, all real feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We're just really concerned with every, what everyone thinks about our music as opposed to what we're creating. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's the fandom part as opposed to the musician part. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's something that is worth trying to break for mo- for for a lot of us. It's worth it's worth being able to say, screw it all. I I, I gotta just give me maybe start with one song on a record. Like this is my song. This is not influenced by anything else. I'm gonna try to shut myself off. I'm actually gonna <coughs> we're just gonna sit in a room and actually jam something out that is just truly us. Who cares if it's hooky? Who cares if it's catchy? Like, who cares if anyone likes it? But if we could get to a place where it's just pure passion and really even trying to not feed off of our musical influences or like anything, just like, what does this room feel like? What does this space feel like? What is what is what are our moods today? Can we create something in the moment that is actually true to our like current state of being? And I just feel like it's it's rare that I hear a song and I'm like, oh, God, that's fresh. That's that's really fresh. It's usually like, heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it. And and I, and I a lot of people will use the, um, well, there's nothing new under the sun, which I, 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 I totally agree. But like, I'm pretty sure that's from scripture. And I'm pretty sure that if you believe in scripture and you believe in a God, you believe in an infinite God. And if there's an infinite God, then there's an infinite 
creativity and there's an infinite nothing new under the sun or there's a lot more than we're exploring right well yeah I think, yeah right exactly it's like yeah okay there's nothing new under the sun but there are trillions of combinations under <laughs> yeah. the sun right, right. Yeah. you know right. like it's yeah. it's literally by a micro or a telescope and it's like oh there's a lot of new ideas left i mean one exploration of like look at the stars and tell me you can't get anywhere else than where we are now that we found it all and that we there's i mean i'm i'm devastated that we've gotten to a point in 2018 where it's like we are trying to look back and go what can we recreate what can we pull from like why well, not I think that look becomes, forward I, uh, like i think that becomes a, a money focused thing maybe or a fame focused thing it's well let me rephrase that i would call, i would say the word would be greed because whether it's recognition and fame or money you're aching for something besides the the, the art right the success the, the the success of the art you want the success as a human i i'm curious if it's if it's not also just a way for us to get inspiration without having to look very internal or having to look beyond what we have. I, I, I'm afraid we're scared to close our eyes and listen to our, our own self and listen to uh, maybe God or listen to maybe just the sound of wind and like oh, I, I'm, no, afraid, look I'm at afraid our world right i'm afraid we, we're 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 tired of of trying to find something new because it's extraordinarily hard because we've practiced copying for so long that the only exploration we know how to do is archaeology well we're such a numbed society we can't we can't go to dinner at a restaurant without a glowing tv we can't sit in a waiting room at the dentist's office without checking instagram and we definitely sure as hell can't deal with our um, emotions and our depression without as many lab synthesized chemicals as possible. And I'm not condemning that because I struggle with that that on a chemical level. I come from that world and I think that's okay. But I'm just saying like, like we're a numbed society and sometimes creativity comes from facing that pain, but that's not how our world is encouraged to operate. Right. I'm, you know, I'm curious, like, I'm curious if there's people like Michelangelo who who painted that church ceiling. Sistine yeah. Chapel. I, I, I wonder, was that a mimic? Or is that what God looked like to him? Or the heavens looked like to him? in From his creation. Yeah, you know, but you know, I, know what? Like He could never get there if he wasn't alone with his thoughts for more than right. 15 minutes. And most of us can't be on the toilet alone with our <laughs> thoughts for more than 15 minutes on right. our phone. I... I, I I would just highly be just so motivated if we could foster some sort of group of people who would go, you know what, like, I I have to close my eyes for longer. I have to listen for longer. And I I have to find a song that hasn't been done before. I mean, there's a photographer that, like, he's started a couple companies called, his name's Chase Jarvis, and he always says, like, take the picture that no one else has taken before. And, and a lot of people criticize him for that and say, how? Like, how how can how can I take a picture of Titus that hasn't been taken before? I don't know. And that's the great point, is you don't know, you have to find it, and it might take you your entire life to find that newness, to find... You have to try. You have to put yourself in a in a place where, like, how do I write a new song? I, I don't. I don't know. Will anybody like it? Probably not. Look at look at Kurt Cobain. Like, you know what he did? Something that no one else had done. And I'm sure it felt crazy as hell, like to him. But 
it was the one thing that we all were like, dear God, I've, I've never felt this way. I've never, ever felt this way. And I think, I think we could start to unravel a whole new level of what music meant if we would just stop looking back and stop looking forward. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, we've got enough movies and sci-fi that looking forward just looks more like computer related. And, and, and we, we've, we've put these, these um, boundaries on what the future looks like. So we, I, you know, I, it's a, I think it's a hard thing to look forward with the amount of information that we have surrounding us and the tools that we have surrounding us. But, um, you know, I think, I think also too, even as musicians, we're, we're bound to like, okay, well, I'm going to sit at this piano and find a song, but you know, we're not, we're not going, you know what? I've never played this instrument from this Indian culture. <laughs> I'm going to get it and I'm going to find something I could have never found before. Cause I don't even know what this is. Like, I just think exploration uh, is something that I would like. I just want to encourage more. I have two questions for you and we can start to wrap this up. I know you guys have to drive across the country. So we're super grateful that you all are here. Um, but I'm interested in, in something that you mentioned that we don't talk about a whole lot on this podcast, but you said that your parents were missionaries and that you grew up uh, just as like a missionary family. Um, I think a lot of people, particularly in 2018, see God as a lot of different things, um, whether it is the, the God that is in the Bible or whether it's a different religion or whether us as humans think we're God or whatever that is. How does your perception um, of God, the one that you saw that your parents taught you about and the one that maybe you found as an adult, how does that influence what you do, whether your art, your life? Um, I, I'm just curious because, you know, I, I think we're all looking as, as songwriters, we're all looking for somebody and something out there to help us find these songs, whether we're trying to find our other self or our, our greater ideas that are inside or, or we're lit legitimately like looking to like a, a being like walk me through that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess in a sense I would say it influences everything that I do. I mean, in life, but also as a musician, I mean, I'd even say that, it influences like the reason I go surfing, you know, or anything like that. But, um, I mean, I, to me, it's like a relationship with the being that created me, you know? And it's like this, it's like this friendship, but it's also this like process of discovery. And, you know, for me, I feel like there's a lot more mystery out there than people have been comfortable enough you know people haven't been comfortable with the idea that there is mystery but I also think that there's like knowable truth and so to me for me at least it's not it's not like it's not so ambiguous that you can't know anything um but it's not so solidified that you can know absolutely everything and so I kind of find myself in that tension in a spiritual sense where um, but it's like a beautiful tension, you know, it's not, it's not like a terrible thing. Yeah, it's not, it's not chaos. Like for me, I don't, you know, like I'm a Christian and I, I but I don't specifically sit down and say, I'm going to write a Christian song. You know, I, I am a musician who happens to believe in God. And so, 
you know, when I write songs, I try my best to just allow, like I said, I just sit down and start playing guitar. And I don't feel like an obligation to say something or to not say something. I just kind of like try to let it be what it is. And for me in my songwriting, I feel like that's the most true to myself thing that I could do, you know, because I'm not going to not say something because I think that someone may not like it. Um, but I'm also not going to, um, or whatever the opposite of that would be, you know, it's, it's, you know, I guess something I've been learning a lot the last couple of years is just kind of being present in the space that I'm in. And part of that for me is like, obviously like my spiritual belief, but, um, part of it's just also just like being here in this moment in life and like like having those things that you believe, but also just like accepting the moment you're in and like doing something with that, you know, like not, like you said, not having to be an archaeologist necessarily. Although like everything you write is like coming out of either wonder about something or like something that's happened in the past. Right. It's, it's, it's almost unavoidable. Yeah. We've not really learned how to operate otherwise, <laughs> like, or there might not be another way too. And I kind of like it, you yeah. know, it's like, like I said, like I discover things about myself through songwriting. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So in, in that, um, in your songwriting with that in mind of this self-discovery, um, and even kind of where you come from just as your belief system, is that something that carries out through the whole band? I mean, do you guys all feel kind of the same way? I'm I'm curious because like there's bands like uh, say Thrice for instance where you have multiple vast belief systems within a band and there's still such cohesion but you look at culture and you look at like a maybe someone who identifies as a Christian and someone who identifies as a Muslim and if you look just at the news and you just look at society from a broad perspective you see clash however like it doesn't seem that way if you actually see these people exist in real life very for the most part, like at least in my, my life. But I'm just curious, like if you guys all kind of carry out that same belief system or if not, like how they work together or how like you just intermingle ideas and and belief systems. Yeah. I think in this, I know these guys have other projects and stuff that is a little different, but, um, for this, we all kind of have a generally the same belief system. And I think there's like, you know, differences in what we think about this or that, but for the most part, we, in, in like the, the big pillars of like, whatever we believe is, it's similar. Yeah. I think, um, as far as our spirituality and what we've chosen, like we all have big, pretty much similar beliefs, at least like we, we feel core values. Um, but I think the as far as that influence goes is it it's um keeps us determined to continue to work with each other. Yeah. And that's that's where that influence yeah. I would say ends. Yeah. Or like it really be, I don't know, really begins, I would say. It's, it's somewhat really, circular. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. I, to me I think we talk to artists and we talk to each other, uh, particularly in interview settings, and we hit on these um, highlights of like 
uh, kind of the same old, same old, the same old questions and the same old, uh, like, where did, you know, where did this song come from? What, what inspires you? What, you know, what are you influenced by and stuff like that? But to me, like just knowing what it's like to be an artist and knowing what it's like to work with other artists in the studio, it, it's the more people I work with, the more like wide that gap is of how people intermingle and work together. And I'm just vastly curious how each individual group of people with individual personalities because just kind of all come together because I, I, I really do feel like we're all so incredibly unique even though like we might have similar haircuts or we might have similar like styles of influences and clothing and all these things and maybe we come from the same part of the country but everyone and every artist and every band is just so incredibly vastly unique and to watch particularly watch bands like create together and get to one singular thing that is a song or one singular large thing that is an album and to see how that all comes together and what got you there and what might bind you together or what might push you apart and kind of what that creates that tension I I find very unique. I've always thought um, bands or just people playing music together is somewhat divine um, influenced, I guess. So I don't know, just throwing that out there because yeah. I've always been so amazed by it. Like how, how is it possible that you all found each other? How is yeah. it possible that you just play so well or just click or yeah. just, um, vibe together? It's amazing. It's so. absolutely to, to, to see it all like coming together, especially if you've spent time together or a band's been together for an extended period of time and they still have that that weird esoteric thing that's just like it is them and it, it feels like them and and to see that like to be able to go back and go how did we even get here like how are four you four sitting on our couches in this space we've never met before and, and and we're talking about like there's even just a vibe within this room that is unique to this time that is unique because of you all in this weird kind of divine nature that I, so it's I, I I totally agree and I think that it's I love the uniqueness of that whatever that bind is because when you you go see a show with a band who really clicks. Uh, like like bands that for me always was amazing is like when you see Mute Math play and there was just this aura of just like goo that always came off of them. What was particularly strange is it was the same goo no matter who was in the band. There was a few member changes, but there was something about that aura that they created or, you know, like when you see John Mayer and Steve Jordan and Pino Palladino play, there's just like this thing that it, but, but how they all got together and how it all made sense. It's just like this, like it's so magical. It's, it's miraculous. Like, like what Alex said, because it is, uh, I mean, think about a relationship and being in a relationship with someone and the fact that, you know, two human beings can choose two different separate human beings can choose to spend their entire life together and that's that's divine as well that's uh, i i believe as scripture states that it's that it's um that it's a divine union um and it takes a miracle for that to happen but then look at a band and it's it's a very similar thing minus the romantic aspect um or sometimes not because <laughs> but but think about well or sometimes not sometimes not but think about it because you're sharing finances you're sharing a space you're sharing emotions you're sharing schedules you're you know 
Um, but you're also sub out the romantic for the creative. And that the creative becomes... Which might be more intimate the, to, which to some people. Which in a lot of ways is, is much more vulnerable. If someone walks in on me songwriting... It's worse than being walked in on naked to me in a lot of ways. If I'm, if I'm, he's more comfortable with one. If I, like, if I'm in the middle of a song, like, like hashing out a song, you know, because I feel like I sound stupid and I don't want anyone to hear this yet because I'm not ready. And it turns out someone walked in 30 seconds ago and is just standing there silently. Like, that's more vulnerable and embarrassing. Alex is covering her mouth because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. So, so we sub out the romantic for the creative. And you sub out two people trying to coexist for four. And you throw in automatic financial issues, which any good marital counselor will tell you financial issues are like the number one thing that comes between relationships and tears them apart. So, so the worst relationship you can be in is a Think fan. about like the most, the most impossible, impossible odds against a relationship, and that is a band. Yeah, we're playing on Jerry Springer next week. So. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Who's the father? <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's probably the whole episode. I think Kevin is for sure. Kevin for sure. I could just, he just. He just looked like a father. Got dad yeah. vibes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if um, people out in the world are listening to this and uh, want to find you, where can we find you and all the things that you do? Um, well, we have music on all those music playing things yeah. that are out there. You know, the sound my, books, my face, face, face clouds. I think it's on space. MySpace. I actually don't know if it is. Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is a great push. <laughs> um, so it's on, you know, Spotify and iTunes and Shazam. Is that a Shazam? And your record's called uh, There Is Time? Yes, yes. So we have a record out called There Is Time. How'd you know that, dude? That's wow. insane. Well, I've, I've used Google a few times. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like, you know, you can follow us on Instagram or we have a website just under my name, TitusHaug.com. Cool. Uh-huh. So this is the last question I have for you and I'll have each of you answer greatest record of all time. In your opinion, first thing that comes to mind, greatest record of all time, Alex, you start. <laughs> Shyest one in the band. Go first. What's it going to be? Say your name whenever you say it because we want people to judge you individually. Sure. Kevin's ready. Sure. He took the mic. Yeah, I mean, this is this this is shoo-in, but I feel it might be a cop-out, but I don't, there's not too many people who disagree, I think, in their right minds, but it's between Pinkerton or the Blue Album. Okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. Do you know who that is? No. There's a little band called Weezer. Weezer. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever listened to how he writes songs? Oh, yeah. There's the song Exploder on that. Are you disappointed? Oh, I haven't. You... I haven't heard that. Yeah, 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 Exploders yeah. rad. Yeah, there's. I don't. He is a mathematician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all math. Oh, you told me this. He has like a spreadsheet yeah. and algorithms. Yeah. It is and, yeah. absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Math is a hell of a drug. I'll it does not way. like <laughs> say what you want about like that's creativity to me. Yeah, like, yeah. He's I've... he's literally choosing like a spreadsheet based like lyric balance. Yeah, I, just I, just I because he, he didn't say oh it felt good. To write it this way, but it does. That's how it ends up being. It's it, uh, before. Never mind. Tell okay. me a Weezer song that doesn't like 
groove. Right. They all do. And who cares if it's picked out of a spreadsheet based on syllable bounce? That's what we're trying to get At to least, anyway. Yeah, he's, he's the one who's <laughs> admitting to it. You know, all the other yeah. algorithms are so secretive. Well, and everybody's know. like sitting sitting there in a songwriting session with Rhyme Zone apps. Right, right, like, exactly. Trying to figure yeah, yeah, it yeah. out. And he's just ahead of the game. Like, okay, so mm-hmm. here's the three note hook. We're going to do verse one. We're going to repeat verse one. Then we're going to do the chorus. Then we're going to do verse three. Then we're going to do the bridge. Only three only three words for the bridge, okay? Yeah. And, uh, and then we're going to do the chorus five times, yeah. you know? But Rivers is like, yeah. So I have a more complex way to do this, you know. I I, I think it's amazing. I th- I think that's true creativity. Like, I, f- even though it, it looks like it's at least creative genius. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Who's up next? I'll go at least second. I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Uh. I can never go first because I'm so bad on the spot. But I really love Plans by Death Cab for Cutie. It's like. I could listen to it every summer. So, yeah. How do you feel about his vocal performance? I actually... <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm simply asking. I actually really love it because I, I think I was in high school when I first got into them. And it was like no other voice I had heard before. Um, and I think I think I might be influenced pretty heavily by him. So, yeah. That's good. That's good. I, I, he was the first when I first heard Death Cab. I was like, "He's talking. Why? Why is he talking?" <laughs> yeah. I was so I could not understand why he was talking. Yeah. And and then I was like, "But all the other songs he's talking to." Like I was really. But then I got into it. and I was like, "Oh, this. There's nothing else that could work." Yeah, there's but no, they're also very melodic at yeah. the same time. It's very interesting. Absolutely. It's, it. I mean, it's one of a kind. Like, it, he's the only band in history who sounds just like that is Death Cab. And yeah. I, so, yeah, that's a great choice. Yeah, love them. We're all pointing at each other now, for those that are listening. So it has to be just one, eh? Just one. Best record but of all time. But just have fun with it, man. Just have fun well, the first thing, you said the first thing that comes mm-hmm. to mind. The first thing that came to mind for me is Sleeping Operator by the Bar Brothers. I have, I have, I'm not familiar. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm this throwing is, it out this, there. I, this may be a Shadowscape podcast first where you named one and we didn't know. That's what I, I like to like hear. Who it was. I usually know, but... Well, I'm also kind of weird in that I don't know a lot of bands, <laughs> um, but I kind of latch on to things and I just right. only listen to them. Nice. And so that's one of those that, you know, for like the last year, I think it's just kind of been listening to it nonstop, and I think it's really great. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Check it out. It's very tasty. Mm. <laughs> as tasty as, like, Kansas City barbecue? It's as tasty as buttered chicken from India. Mm. Oh, I love buttered chicken. Gosh, hungry now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to have Indian for lunch. All right, Travis, the drummer, what do you have for us? I think right now... Uh, of all time. Of all time. <laughs> yeah, of all time till now. Yeah. <laughs> At this time. At this juncture, yeah, exactly. Of this, at this time, of all, at this time. My sentiment currently, uh, that all time, one of the best, the best record in my opinion is uh, Siamese Dreams, and I know that's kind of weird because they're not like the most glorious band, or Smashing Pumpkins is the most glorious band, but I just think that's a really well done record. It's just disgusting too. Like It's just a (laughs) grotesque, everything about it is gross. Well, Billy Corgan is just so strange. 
and just in every single way everyone in that band is like so toxic to each other and just in general but somehow they it works in this divine yeah. you know like cesspool <laughs> <laughs> that's a band every, name right there yeah divine, divine cesspool. cesspool yeah Headman right here, Travis Galarza. <laughs> Frontman. I think the Smashing Pumpkins have always just been so like it's it's kind of I have the same feeling when the first time I heard Smashing Pumpkins as I did when I heard Death Cab. I was like, what is he doing? Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's just I I didn't know how it worked, but I also listen to their music and I go, there it it you could work no other way than how they're doing it. it, it it's so unique to hear bands like that that are just like. There's only ever going to be one. If you replicate it, no one will like you. Mm-hmm. But this is perfect in every single way, the way they do it. And it's really odd that he bought a wrestling company. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that later. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a whole other podcast. Um, so what are your guys' favorites? Ah, nobody's ever asked us that. Yeah. I was. Uh, no, I'm just going to say, nope, you don't get to ask. <laughs> Um, I think the greatest record of all time is Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Have you have you listened to the new PJ Morton album at all? No. Dude, you're gonna love it. Gumbo okay. by PJ Morton. Okay. That was actually I was like I was like thinking about it. Now I just want to list all the music I listened to, right? <laughs> but that's PJ Morton's Gumbo is incredible. I saw him on tour and it was just it was just mind blowing, man. That's the one to listen to. Yeah, you should text me the link to something where I can hear that. You got it, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, you don't have to. You can save yours. I'm going to save mine. You save yours for yeah. another podcast because okay. yep. now I'm forever I'm, bound to this. Yeah, I'm, well, like, I'm a little distressed because I listen to a lot of classic music, but I usually don't listen to it all in album context. So Yeah, I was thinking no. I'm like, I'm just stereotyped as like the Southern California guy who likes Weezer now. No. <laughs> but I'm okay with that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a great choice. You can sing along to every song, you know? Yeah. There's four grand choices here, so good job, guys. There's a, there's some people who have said some stuff. And I'm like, you're wrong, <laughs> but, but great choices. Well, anyway, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us in our undone studio space. You guys are officially though the first people to ever do anything on our brand new floor. You're christening it. Until next time, we'll see you later. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please please help spread the word about these amazing art makers and the continual conversation that's happening here at Shadowscape. Tell someone about it. In person, online, whatever. And of course, join the family by pressing the subscribe button. This podcast was created by Shadowscape Records at our studio in the American Ice Co. Building in the heart of beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. For more information, please find us online at shadowscaperecords.com. Or connect with us at facebook.com slash shadowscape records, Instagram at shadowscape records, and Twitter at shadowscape jams. Thanks for listening.